Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have Ross. Hi. We also have CBS. Hello. And now featuring Rob. Hi. I guess I'm new. I don't see how he's featured. <laughs> I don't see how you're the featured. You've been here since the beginning. Is that, is that thing that happens? I would say it features Rob. Now the true. new and improved Rob. Hi. <laughs> I will accept that, sir. Um, <laughs> well, uh, hi. Th- thanks for tuning in. Yes. Pants. You're welcome. Oh, wait. Yeah, hey, you're here, mister. <laughs> ah, all right, so today we're doing episode number 79. <laughs> all right. That was the worst one ever. That's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty good. good. It's pretty good. So 79, uh, it's a fair ways down the road. 10 away from the, the good number. 90? No, that's... Wait, 89. Sure. You meant the other direction. I, so yes. So that's what I'm told. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it doesn't even start well anymore. It just is right to the nonsense. Uh, alright, so today we're doing Captain America number one. Oh, hang on, this is Captain America. Steve Rogers' Captain America number one. That's right. This is a highly chatted about book on the internet because people don't read the entire book. Mm. Um, we're doing Superman Rebirth number one. Uh, Mighty Marvel Power Rangers Pink number one. Green Arrow Rebirth also number one. And these are the one shots, not the regular series ones, the one shots. And then the only wall different Wolverine, number nine. Wait, that's not number one. No, it's number nine. It must be something wrong. Oh, right. Well, you know. Don't worry, Marvel will fix that soon. Oh, good, yeah, good. No, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> well, in August we are getting another batch of uh, Marvel Now, so I shall see if Homegirl runs the gambit and keeps moving or not. Isn't that a different character? It, he is, yes. He was in the X-23 series, and it still got canceled. Oh, that's true, yeah. So. But now he's going to be with Deadpool. That's only a four-part miniseries. Well, you know. And <laughs> that's ambiguous. <laughs> Not the four-part part of it, but the... Never mind. Ah, all right, so, uh... Man, uh... In, uh news today, Ross? Um... No. I'm going to go with the right answer is Rebirth, and that's pretty much it. I mean, there's other things happening in the world, but not things that apply to what we're doing. There's shooting and a couple of deaths. You know, good stuff. No? Why are you shaking your head for your Sith Lord outfit? Yeah, it's too hot to dress like a Sith Lord, Ross. I'm cold. That's weird, man. It's weird. It's not, not, not good stuff. Cold in your soul. Well, that would explain things. Yeah, hey, that's a good point. Um, alright, well, that takes care of news, I guess. I mean, there's not a... It is what it is. Things happen, and... Not always nice. Uh, well, let's go and start off with some, uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America, Rob. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. 
should tell me a story about uh Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where I was going. In the Captain America book. So um, we have writing from Nick Spencer and um, Jose Salazar. Yes, Jose Salazar, not Jesus Salazar. Although that's what it looks like. Is he the, the co-writer or is the inker artist he's writer? The writer. Okay. Oh, he's the artist, I'm sorry. All right, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Anyways, so Captain America, it jumps around a little bit here. And we're seeing some stuff from the past that had never been divulged before. So much like they did in the previous Captain America series... Dimension Z. Yeah, Dimension Z stuff, okay. Yeah, where they went back and they explored more about who his dad was and who his mom was, which, to me, isn't necessary. I don't I don't think they should do it at all. But, whatever, we're, yeah. we're moving on. The idea is that they haven't mattered before, but yeah, go on. It's questionable now. Yeah, no, it's, it's manipulation. It's, we're playing the same game with Captain America, with Iron Man, you know. How far are we going to go? Everybody's grandparents next? It's out of control. Anyways, as we kind of move forward, though, we actually have some pretty interesting stuff going on. Um, one of the things is that Rick Jones has gotten in trouble recently and is now serving as kind of a... like a sci-tech... or not a sci-tech, like a computer hacker for S.H.I.E.L.D., Right, computer tech, yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, a character that was mentioned a few times in the Sam Wilson series, and probably has popped up in a couple other spots as the Whisperer. So he was leaking S.H.I.E.L.D. files. Um, he was also connected very much with what went on with Pleasant Hill. Um, one of the things that we kind of, I'm sorry, go ahead. Rick Jones just gets around. I mean, he's been Captain Marvel, he's been... A bomb, like the dude gets around. So the whisper thing is not the weirdest thing. Well, no, yeah, he's he's hanging out with the Hulk. Yeah, Rick Jones has like been the Marvel teen interaction character for for years and years and years. He's kind of disappeared in the last several years, but he's always been important. They right. they mentioned that he was Captain America's sidekick at one point. What was his name when he was Captain America's sidekick? Oh man. Honestly, I don't remember him having a side in a different name. I mean, they, really, they just called him by his. I think he was always just kind of Rick Jones. He wanted to be Bucky really bad, and uh, Cap okay. was not okay with that. I want to say he actually shows up in the Bucky uniform. I don't know if he ever actually served as Nomad though. Huh? Yeah, I don't know enough to know that. Mm-hmm. It's no. called Wikipedia, people. Come on. <laughs> Yes. Nobody needs to know anything, Ross. Oh, I didn't know. That's why I was asking. Well, oh. now you still don't know, and that's only part of that. Hold to go to the internet, or I'll be lied to. Right there, you go. Although, in, in important thing to know: the Avengers wouldn't have made made without Rick Jones, and the Hulk would have never been the Hulk without Rick Jones. So, he's Rick Jones. That's different. Rick. That's different Jones. Yeah, a little bit different Jones. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Um, so we get introduced to a new person in the story, which is Robert Dean Tomlin. The whole idea for this is that we wanted to show how somebody could be brought into, I guess, Hydra. And they basically want to kind of show us that 
you know, anybody could. You know, for this longest time, all these Hydra members have seemed like they're just diehard fanatics, and it's kind of hard to imagine them as real people. And so that's kind of what they're trying to do here. And honestly, one of the things that stuck with me the most out of this book, a lot like when they did Sam Wilson, Captain America, was they hit something that we haven't really touched in Captain America before, which is a lot of, like, kind of social issues, I guess. The recruitment pitch by the Red Skull shocked me how much I agreed with him. I was actually super surprised, because there's never been a time that I've ever read a Captain America book that I went, no, that kid, that Red Skull guy, you know, he's, he's onto something there. <laughs> like, he's, he's kind of smart in his manipulation, in that he, instead of trying to tell you to channel your anger or, or change the opinion, he wants you to kind of, he wants to use that anger to, to make people follow his, his own ideals. And it's kind of surprising how effective it is. But he makes a pretty valid point in the idea that, you know, the, the people that are supposed to be protecting us and the country that we've assigned, like, we almost don't have that country anymore. Anyways, getting back to Captain America, we learn that he's kind of dealing a lot with getting back to being fighting fit as Captain America and the, the new shield, which... I missed where the new shield was made, so I don't know what its capabilities are. Yeah, yet. Well, I don't know if it shows up prior to this. I kind of don't think it does. It might not. But kind of a cool new addition to the story is that we're getting Jack Bat. Uh, yes, Jack Black. That's a different guy. <laughs> Jack Black is going to be in it. No, uh, we're getting <laughs> Jack Flag and uh, Free Spirit, which were two characters that appeared a long time ago in the um, the Captain America world. I'm pretty sure that this Jack Flag is not the Jack Flag that we saw in the Guardians of the Galaxy, which they do make a joke about later. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they're two separate individuals. But they're both power-enhanced. Um, and honestly, we saw them last, they actually mentioned this in the book, when Captain America was damaged so badly he had to wear the iron suit to kind of keep him mobile, being Captain America. Right, they make a mention of him being the werewolf, too, that... In one of those statements, I can't remember yeah. it's on, but yeah. Yeah, he was asking them what time period, basically, they were with Cap. So, keep in mind that big, crazy things have happened to Captain America that didn't necessarily stick as we go further. But um, a lot of what this beginning part here is dealing with is Captain America trying to save everybody on this train from a suicide bomber. And once he finally kind of gets the situation handled the last little bit is cap trying to talk down the suicide bomber who ultimately couldn't be talked down and the reason for it is is an interesting kind of like hopeless statement where he doesn't feel like there's anywhere to go back to so there was no reason not to blow himself up which is nuts yeah i was praying that he's been a been a week in general, in life, they show him when he's on drugs, they show him when he was living in a terrible, like, one-bedroom apartment kind of life, and things were just a mess. It's like, the guy's always had a rough go of it. There's just something else for them to prey on. Hmm. They being Hydra. They being Hydra, yeah. From there, we catch up with Sharon Carter, and we see the relationship between Sharon Carter and Maria Hill, and kind of the... 
implications that Sharon might be becoming a more important part of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the fallout of stuff from Pleasant Hill. Um, one of the other big things that happened as a result of Pleasant Hill is Baron Zemo out in the world, and he's more determined to be undetained or undetected than he was before. Right. He's also found Dr. Eric Selvage, which hasn't, you know, if you're a Thor fan for the Thor films, you, you know him, but he hasn't been a big part of Marvel in a little while. But they're actively seeking another Cosmic Cube. So, as we kind of get this story drawing towards an end, we wind up finding that Baron Zemo for a brief amount of time is going to be in this kind of lawless city. And Captain America, Jack Flag, and um, Free Spirit all go down there to try to apprehend him. And he's basically trying to rebuild his own Masters of Evil. And he feels like the way Hydra is going under the Red Skull is not the, the true path. He's just letting anybody in where it should be the elite. Um... So we kind of get a big confrontation between the two of them, uh, ending with Zemo and Captain America fighting on this uh, crazy plane, and then of course you know some something happens there. But a couple of the big things that that happen in this book that were important is that we go back into the past of Captain America and see you know that his dad wasn't this great example, but we also see this kind of well-to-do woman sort of introducing the idea of Hydra to a young Steve and his mom. Yeah, all the flashback stuff is is, is interesting and delivered. And it's just weird. But it's... Yeah, that's what it's doing. It's painting the picture that Hydra might not all be bad. Well, there was definitely a version <laughs> of Hydra that was in the U.S. before World War II. So chances are probably shortly after World War One, Whether or not this version of Hydra is what eventually, you know, the Red Skull will make it, or whether this version of Hydra has anything to do with Steve's life. It's hard to say. Now, it's very ambiguous, because the lady who's there, who is the representative from Hydra, is very interested in Steve, which is weird. Yeah, since Steve shouldn't have been very special as a sickly child. Well, at the time, yeah, he wouldn't have been. I wonder if there's any uh, time travel stuff going on there. That's always a possibility. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a possibility, but at this point we don't see anything in here that I think did it. I think it's hilarious that they're trying to sell, like, Hydra as a thing in that, and yet their logo is a skull and... and, yeah. And tentacles? Yeah, and it's like, really? Like, this is... No, it's a, it's a great social group. Tentacle skull. <laughs> Hell yeah. But, um... One of the really cool things that comes out of this is actually the reintroduction of, of Jack Flagg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't have as much time with Free Spirit, although she seems pretty cool from this book. But they actually crack on Jack Flagg quite a bit about him used to showing up with uh, like a ghetto blaster playing Marky Mark. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And even in this fight, when it's when it's go time, he turns on like good vibrations for his headset. Yeah. So. I don't know, he's he's cool, he's got a lot of personality, I like him a lot, actually. He might secretly be Steve. Bum bum bum. You never know. I, I am a fan of the Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret. It's, it's true, it's true. Um, 
And actually, Rick Jones may play a bigger role in the story than we think, because he's also showing up in the new Avengers right now, and he's actually got some neat toys over there that we don't see in Captain America. But either way, it's made a big splash on the internet, and I think the important thing is if you are a Captain America fan, don't jump ship. Comics do this all the time. They, If they didn't do big, bold things, we wouldn't pay as much attention to them. And they wouldn't be the kind of market that they are. So there's got to be something that is going to come from this. And it may not be as bleak as people think. Yep. I mean, just think about the whole Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus thing that happened for forever. And when yeah, that, we, we talked about that earlier today. Yeah, yeah, when that first came out, that was like a huge deal. And then... Look where we are now. So, yeah. or even, and it was a great story. On top of it, ultimately not being a huge thing in the end, it still made an awesome book. So that's true. You know, or you know, even if you look back at Captain America's history, as a you know, even in, even in a brief part, you know, Captain America left. He became Nomad. Captain America left. He became the Captain. Captain America has back broken. He had the robot suit. Captain America became a werewolf. werewolf yeah, you know, <laughs> they these things they happen. So stick around. If you're a Captain America fan, uh, I think I think the story is going to be handled well, and I have some ideas of where they might go, and that's kind of what I think people should be thinking is is whether what what the implications are more than oh man they've said something at the end and that's all you focus on. Mm-hmm. So, and like, like you said, they make a point to point out to you in the book all these different variations that Captain America. Has yeah, had the, the things he's gone through and stuff. So that's true. So um, I don't know. For for me, I'd I'd give it a three. You know, I enjoyed the book. I actually thought the artwork was great for it. I I love the introduction of his new support staff. And you know what? I cared about the Red Skull, and I haven't cared about the Red Skull in at least the last five years. All of his time with the Uncanny Avengers, like couldn't have cared less so they're doing something right but i really wish they'd leave the family members alone let let those characters be in the past anyways mr rosh got score yeah i'd give it a three as well i I like that they referenced a lot of captain america's past and showed you a, a couple of characters that you haven't seen for a while and and the the art was fine with it honestly i felt the story was a little bit long like there's there's a lot of dialogue and explaining there and, and it probably needed it but to me it seemed like it went on a little bit but not not bad though definitely worth reading especially if you're going to judge the last page of it you should check out the book before you pass a lot of judgment there right right it's a good point it's all about keeping the faith and whatnot yeah um you know, I give it three and a half also. I mean, I love Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, at least <laughs> I think it is. Jack Flagg, fairly cool character, whether he's still around or not, whatever. But yeah, like, like the boys are saying, if you if you follow books at all and something crazy, not, uh, gosh, I mean, not anchored happens, well, they'll just fix it and go back to their style, so... But yeah, I don't know. I give it three and a half. Also, it was a pretty, it was a pretty yeah. decent book. I, I guess when I, I guess the last thing to say is that you know Nick Spencer, he's not new to this. Mm. And that's I, true. Yeah, I really think if if we're going this way, 
he has a pretty good plan, you know, for, for whatever they're going to do. And I really don't think Marvel would sit back and go, well, okay, here's one of our flagship characters. Why don't you take some liberties? You know, I, I imagine there's going to be, there's, there's, there's got to be a plan. Anyhow. Hopefully so. Uh, if you do enjoy Nick Spencer writing, he's also currently writing the uh, fix for Image Comics, um, along with Steve Lieber doing the art for it. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Superman Rebirth number one. Oh, sweet. So Superman Rebirth number one is written by Peter Tomasi and drawn by Doug Mankey. Right, you know Peter from multiple books over DC. And, uh, his name's not on the cover, but I guess Pat Gleason did have a hand in helping writing this issue as well. Oh, okay. So it's kind of cool to know that they're working as a team with their writing as well as, I mean, I mean, we know Gleason's taking over the art for the regular Superman book after this too, so. Um, so Superman Rebirth is basically a story about pre-New 52 Superman coming to the new Superman's uh, memorial where he was buried in Metropolis. Right, because he came from the same place when he was buried. Yeah, and he makes he makes mention of, oh, the statue's not built yet. Well, that'll make it easier for you to come back later. So, um, And that's the big thing here, I guess, is when this issue starts, pre-New 52 Superman firmly believes that Superman New 52 Superman is going to come back at some point, uh, because he came back. Well, he very much believes that's the case. Whether it's true or not, it's hard to say. I think if... I think, honestly, he wanted to just still remain in the background Mm. and just kind of do things in secret, like he's been doing, evidently, since the beginning of the New 52. I don't think he had any intention of being the new Superman at yeah. the beginning of this book. No, I, I, I 100% agree. I think his priorities lie within protecting Lois and his son more than anything, which makes sense. Well, yeah, it's pretty clear-cut. That's what his main focus is, the period. But, uh, so when, when he goes to check out the memorial, he runs into Lana Lang, who, if you remember... In previous issues of Superman, she had made a promise to him that she would uh, bury his remains next to his parents in Kansas. And so she's there doing that, and when she runs into Superman, you find out that Superman has kind of different plans for what he's going to do with the remains. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out that he wants to bring it to the Fortress of Solitude, where there should be a... Kryptonian Healing Chamber. Yeah. Yeah, I have a different name for it, but yeah, that's what it is. That that should bring Superman back, because that's what brought him back. Yeah. Um, you have a really cool where pre-New 52 Superman kind of is explaining how he knows about this, and it shows his fight with Doomsday and coming back with the awesome mullet and black suit and... All cool stuff to see drawn again. You know what I what I liked about it was that it summed up the fist fight element between uh, Doomsday and Superman, with him being like, "Yeah, I was arrogant." Yeah. So, I was really hoping because he talks like how when it started, Doomsday had attacked members of the Justice League, and 
I mean, I'm sure we remember that that was Booster Gold and Blue Beetle that he was fighting at the start. Yeah. I was really hoping they were going to draw a panel in there with him. No, surprisingly enough, you know who makes it? Bloodwing. Yeah. Bloodwing. Yeah. Interesting choice. Of all things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What we find out, though, is that Lana knows where the Fortress of Solitude is. And she doesn't necessarily know why she knows, but ever since Superman died, she knows where this is now. Um, and so she agrees to bring the new, the new super, new old like, Superman. Go with the ashes. Yeah. She she agrees to bring Superman and other Superman's remains there, so that they can try to bring him back with the rebirthing chamber. Let's do Beard Superman for right now. Yeah, there we go. He does wear the beard most of the time in the other series, so... <laughs> Unfortunately, that distinction will probably disappear soon. But, Beard Superman. Beard Superman for now. Um, but when they bring it back, they find out that their healing chamber, or, or what was it called? The Kryptonian healing chamber? Yeah. That it doesn't exist. Oh, the actual, yeah, right, yeah. They answer the, after they get there to the fortress and he tells the robots, I'm in the healing, the healing chamber. And off they go and they come back and they're like, uh, yeah, Bupkis. Yeah. And I mean, it's not there. And so, I mean, the, the end of it, I guess it's not really a spoiler because we all knew this was coming, but he decides, Beard Superman decides that the world needs a Superman. Yeah. So so he sends other Superman's remains to be buried with his parents, and we'll see what happens next in the next Superman books. Yeah, they have some really cool touching moments with Lana, and one of the things I thought was the coolest was when he sees the memorial that he's made to both his Kryptonian family and his Earth family. Uh-huh. And it was something, I guess, that... Beard Superman had never really thought of as putting memorials in for both of them. Yeah, it definitely seemed like the the hitting your forehead moment of why didn't I think of that? Yeah, and, like, uh, and there was also some cool stuff with um, there being a message left for Cora for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, ultimately is a pretty good issue. It definitely is mainly set up for what's coming next. But I'm excited for what's coming next, so I think it probably did its job pretty good. Uh, overall, I'd probably give the issue a three and a half. The art's awesome in it, too. and Yeah, excited where the story's going to go. Uh, Alright, so score-wise, you know, I, I give it a three. I mean, book-wise, I do like the Beard Superman kind of a lot. Uh, the Lois and Clark series has been great. There's interesting stuff happening there. I'm real excited for whenever Pat and Peter are doing it. With, along with Mick, just because I like that team of people, so I'm pretty excited to move on to the next book. I guess we'll see where it goes. And the stuff with Lana is pretty interesting. He's just so dead set on the Superman coming back because it happened to him, but remember when it happened to him, he didn't turn into a pile of ash. So, uh... There was, I didn't really say this, but the one kind of problem I had was how fast he just kind of gave up on the whole thing. Like, as soon as they showed up and they're like, it doesn't exist, we don't know. He's just like, alright, moving on to the next thing. He's like, sweet, I'll be a Superman, trying to shave. <laughs> yep, basically. Well, but, you know. But I guess he needed to move that story somewhere, so. It's true. So it's what happens. Um, alright, Rob Score? 
Uh, I guess I'm going to be the oddball. I'm going to give it a, a higher score. I actually really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a four. Um, I think one thing that's in here that's really good is fans that just signed on at the New 52. They may not have this history of Doomsday. And so I thought this was a cool way to kind of bring that in and show some of the dichotomy, like the, the difference between Superman, Beard Superman, and New 52 Superman. Oh, yeah. Shows the way they work in general? Kind of, but also how things were different. Yeah, how the characters are different and mm-hmm. history unfolded different. And, and, and I kind of like that this sort of puts the kebab on the idea that we're going to just see Superman revive later. Mm-hmm. We kind of cover that, and we cover it in a smart way that makes us kind of, as old fans, know, okay, there's not going to be some Superman shenanigans later, More, most likely. <laughs> Always shenanigans, Rob. There is. Always. That's, that's why we come back. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a strong book. Hopefully this will be a good starting point to bring people in to the Superman world. We'll see. One last thing. Sure. If, if you're confused about the Lana knowing where the Fortress of Solitude is, it took me like two or three reads to remember this, but if you go back and read the previous issue, Superman yeah. 52, it'll make more sense. 52 or the... yeah. yeah. That gets, gets explained there, which is also going to lead to the new reign of the Superman, looks like. Yep. At least part of it. Looks like it. Should be good times. Alright, so let's move on to, uh, My Amor Power Rangers Pink. Right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Issue number one, uh, written by uh, Brendan Fletcher and uh, Kelly Thompson. And uh, it's illustrated by uh, Dan- Danielle. How do you say the last name, Ross? Di Niculo. Di Niculo. Yep. Sounds like something dirty. No? Just for me? Okay, well, whatever. Fantastic last name. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're the one that said it. Uh, let's, let's, let's hope they don't listen. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> I think it's fine. Still makes for a good last name. So Danielle, uh, fantastic art thing. It's great. I, I do, I do dig the way this looks. It's fun. Uh, so book when it opens up, we start with Kimberly, and this is uh, she's moved on with life. She's no longer in high school. She's no longer running around doing the power and stuff by day. They have a little bit, of, or by night, day, night, either one. Are you really quick? Mm-hmm. She's the only one that's moved on from the team. Yeah. Yeah. So like, the, the rest of the team is still right. Right. Like she's mm. she's relocated and now living. Uh, isn't she living in France? I think, yeah. Or is that where the parents are living? Yeah. yeah, she's she's in France. Well, when we open up, she's uh, she just completed a uh, gymnastics event, and from what we see in the pictures, she's won some medals, so she did a good job. And she's calling her mother, and she's upset because her mom didn't show up, which is not like her mom. And so that turns into her deciding that she's going to go see what happened with mom and dad, and jump her stepdad, mom and stepdad. Jumps on her motorcycle, there's some thought process stuff about how she remembers her old motorcycle, remembers doing things back when she's a Power Ranger and how that superhero lifestyle never really goes away, which that stuff's all pretty cool. So she finally shows up in town, or it shows up in the town her parents have moved to, this small little, like, quaint villa type, I don't know, like a village type town. And uh, when she first gets there, she's, she, she feels like something's odd because she feels like she's being watched, but there's, like, nobody in the town. Even and to the point that there's no like sound of bugs, no sound of anything, which creeps her out. 
uh, eventually gets to the parents' house and uh, where some hijinks happen a little bit. And we wind up seeing that the, the town has apparently been overrun by creature from the Black Lagoon looking dudes who have been kidnapping and taking everybody in town. So, uh, in the process of her running into them, she sees one, bo one boy getting taken, or boy, I guess he's a man, being taken by the uh, creatures, helps him escape, proves that she's still a badass. Kung Fu's, Kung Fu, Kung Fu's a whole bunch of them. Does a pretty stand-up job, and then her and the guy escape. Well, then that leads us to a few other s spots where, uh, we go over a little bit of older stuff, and we, the two of them, of course, meeting each other, telling you who's, who's missing, whose parents are missing, and it, her explaining to him what she's looking for. Uh, eventually, that leads us to, uh, her using the communicator she still has, to contact Zordon because she decided that there's nothing she can do about it by herself and if she could it's not going to be very impactful uh, so she basically calls Zordon talks to him a little bit convinces him to give her a suit and when it shows up it's awesome if you don't remember how the old Power Rangers worked it was all digital like transformation or whatever same idea except that it's just sent to her in a totally different style package but yeah so she transforms into uh, this new Pink Power Ranger, whose costume looks freaking awesome. I want an action figure of this. Right? It looks awesome. Thing, yeah. Um, and so she basically goes after the lock or the uh, Black, Lagoon Black Lagoon monsters. Were they call them Black Nest earlier? She calls them uh, Black Lagoon ripoffs. Right. Black Lagoon rejects. Sorry. So yeah, a creature from Black Lagoon. Um, well, and as, as she's doing that, Zordon tells her, "We'll make capture one of them so we can try to study it." So you can figure out how it works, because he's a science -y giant head. Yeah. It's because he's made of science. Right. Well, that makes sense, then. Sure. <laughs> Why not? So uh, it, it, she winds up capturing one of them, and that leads to tests, and then there's an answer of what's going on because of the tests, and of course, we fast forward just a little bit farther, we get to the end catch, and the end catch is a pretty much a reveal of what was going on with the city in the first place. So, pretty good catch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how you fix such a thing. But uh, book-wise, I mean, pretty entertaining. Writing's pretty decent. Suit's awesome. Um, score for a book, you know, I give it a three and a half. It was, it was pretty entertaining. I do like the characters, so maybe that's because of when I, my youth, you know, when I was a child or a younger person. That that made any sense. Hollow answers in there. Um, so yeah, I give it three. Give it three and a half. It's a pretty decent book. I mean, if you're liking the current Power Ranger run. This fits real well, so... I mean, yeah, it's not the same time frame, but pretty cool. Uh, so that's all I got. Rob, uh, score for the book? Um, I actually probably give it a three. I enjoyed the enjoyed the artwork on it. I like the story for it so far. I think it plays out pretty well. Like you said, I mean, it's somewhere nebulously kind of in the future. And like you, I, I don't know exactly what Kimberly's storyline was. There's... An interesting catch for how she got the new suit that I think that we're probably going to play with in this story. But I think it's pretty cool, and it, I was kind of wondering how they were going to do a standalone Power Rangers pink. Well, or any color, really. I mean, they're Power Rangers team for a reason. That's how yeah. it works. So I think it's pretty cool. I, I think it's going to be neat to see where they go with this and whether it leads into something that the series will catch up with later. Right on. Uh, Mr. Ross? I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really like the new costume redesign, and I like that they gave her 
more. It's I guess it's not really. It's kind of a backstory, but uh. Well, I don't know. It's it is and it isn't. I mean, brings out more of the character. I guess you could say. Right. Okay, I can give you that. Yeah. I'd like to. I mean, in the Power Rangers TV show, we knew that like the Red Ranger and the Green Ranger were good at martial arts because they did martial arts a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, this actually shows that she's a good archer and she actually can drive a motorcycle and stuff without having the Power Ranger suit. Yeah, the other pieces she uses, the, the archer stuff is really cool, actually. Yeah, which seems silly, but, I mean, whenever they did that stuff in the show or in the other comics, they were always in their suit. They were always Power Rangers while they were doing it. That's true. So I like that it shows that it's actually part of their person, that it's not necessarily the power the suit gives them or the belt or whatever it is that gives them their power. It's actually the character themselves that have the abilities. Yeah, it's a part of who they are. We talk about being a leg- like legacy thing that they can't have inside of them still. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, I think in the show even, they were real... Uh, nervous about ever using the bow because you know oh it's kids you don't want to shoot arrows with kids watching yeah uh so with a comic you can do that and actually get to see her be pretty cool with that weapon yeah i mean in in the regular power rangers comic as well they've made really good use of all their different weapons and zords and everything that they never could really do in the show because of the medium because it's a comic book which is awesome well, it frees up a lot of things when you're using a book instead of a TV show that's half half important, half new. Yeah, it's true. So, yep, three and a half. That three and awesome. a half. All right. Um. All right. Let's move on to uh, some Green Arrow Rebirth number one. Speaking of arrows. Hey, see, like that transition there. Archer to Archer. Yeah. Sounds like another book. Yeah, it does. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Rosh, you want to tell us a story about uh, the Green Arrow and his sweet beard? Yep, his sweet beard. Heck yeah, man. Sweet beard. <laughs> um, so the main the main premise of the Green Arrow Rebirth. So uh, Green Arrow Rebirth is written by someone. Yeah. Benjamin Percy. Not connected to the Percy Jackson series, I don't think. Oh. Different guy. <laughs> no cousins. Interesting. And Art and Keller by Otto Schmidt. Nice. Yeah, and, and Benjamin Percy who is who's been doing Green Arrow previous to this. So it's kind of cool because a lot of the rebirth is like that. It, there's a lot of continuing writers team, and team creative whatever. teams. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Schmidt is actually a really good artist. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the art, the, I mean, just from looking at this book, the art's awesome yeah. in it. Um, main premise of Green Arrow is that homeless people are going missing, basically, yes. right, in Seattle. And so Green Arrow goes on the case to get it, to, to figure it out. To try to put a stop to it. Yeah. And in the process, he finds someone carrying off a little boy that he helped out earlier. Well, he saw a little boy earlier and he threw, threw money at him and his mother and then, of course, we see the mother get abducted and now the boy's being carried so he knows something's wrong because the mother, the boy's like, how is he my mom? And it's a hooded, shrouded figure so we don't know who it is. 
Obviously, someone's up to no good, though. Must be. Uh, yeah, you don't wear that if you're not up to no, no good. No, man. <laughs> Full trench coats is only if you're going to cause problems. So after he attacks the person trying to save the boy, we find out that the person is actually Black Canary. Which is awesome. Who was also trying to help the boy. Well, you know, sometimes kids don't want to be helped the way they want to be helped. And yeah, she's basically carrying him around trying to make him do things because he's injured and needs to go to a hospital. So I guess the lesson to learn here is don't try to help people while wearing black hoods of I'm just saying don't help people at all. I mean, oh, that's okay. the easiest way to learn. <laughs> I mean, you know. Otherwise you have to fight Green Arrow and he's, he wants to be your friend. Or fight you. Or you might get an arrow to the knee. That's a game <laughs> thing, I think, right? That's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, that is. That'll end your adventuring real fast. Go on, Ross. Um, big thing about this is this is like the second time that Green Arrow has really... I mean, first time he's really met Black Canary, it's like the second time they've seen each other, they say, in it. Yeah. Um, and so it's the the rest of the book is about Black Canary and Green Arrow kind of trying to track down these things that are abducting homeless people. Right. Basically. It's pretty much what's going on, yeah. And it also does a good job of rebuilding this kind of relationship between Green Arrow and... Black Canary. Mm-hmm. Black Canary, honestly, I guess you could argue that both of them have had a rough start in the New 52. I think Green Arrow came into his own probably about 18 issues in. Yeah, they had an artist-writer shift, and Jeff Lemire took over, and it has got to be better a better read. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was a better take. I mean, the, the biggest thing that's always held Green Arrow back, I think, is the uh, lack of beard. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of fans would have been happier you just gave him a beard, but Black Canary, they've really tried to run with, and I think she just, I, I, they really tried to do, do new things with her, and I don't think they stuck very well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw how successful they thought Batgirl was. Right, and that was questionable. And and they wanted to do the same thing with Black Canary, basically. Yeah. And I I liked that this didn't necessarily get rid of that, that he talks about her being a rock star and living that kind of a life, and that he makes it play into kind of classic Green Arrow and Black Canary at the same time. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think we're getting closer to where she should fit, I guess, into the, the new DC. One of the things I, I like about this, without giving away kind of the big... Uh, plot thread at the end of this is that Black Canary and Green Arrow are kind of back to where they where they used to be, where they're more interested in the, the common man and criminals rather than super criminals mm-hmm. and are going to be more about the kind of street level stuff. I yeah. think that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, there's actually part where they talk about that where Oliver remember, was talking about being street level and whatnot and Canary too. Yeah. But, um, Really neat take on it so far. So, Yeah, I would say this is like the ultimate rebirth book. I think this got their rebirth point across, basically, and that you're not getting rid of continuity, but you're kind of changing the characters to what you remembered them before, basically. Back whenever they'd be prior to New 52? Yeah, so even though, even though they're still the same New 52 characters, they're starting to feel more like what they felt like. Prior to New 52. You mean them, them themselves, character-wise? Yeah. 
Gotcha. With you. Yeah, they definitely have some throwbacks to it. I mean, she's razzing the entire book, so kind of awesome. Mm. Um, so I guess the score I would give this book is probably a four out of five. The art was really, really good. The characters all felt spot on. Um, a lot of cool moments between, especially between Black Canary and Green Arrow. Um, the one thing that I've got to mention that I wasn't a big fan of is he, he had to mention that he's a social justice warrior. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about that earlier. And I, I've just kind of with the, I've always had this idea if you, if you have to tell someone what you are, you're probably not doing a good enough job at being that. Take that beard and, guy. And so the fact that he had to say that, I felt, I felt it was kind of, useless like he does a good job of showing that through the book he didn't need to say that no but yeah they, they seem to think that it was an important element to, to throw out at us yeah eh. overall good though <laughs> good stuff Ross so your score again was four and a half four and a half out of five that's a pretty good score mm. um alright you know, book-wise, I give it. I guess I give it a four. There's some of the dialogue I feel chased around a little bit, but it wasn't bad. I mean, there's a lot of good banter between the two of them, which I mean, when they're at the height of their whole romance working, they were trying to marry them before New Fifty, in prior to the New Fifty Two happening. There's there's a fair amount of that, even though she's thought a whole lot of holdback because of other things. So I do like this is more like a clean slate kind of start for the two of them. And the way they end it kind of leaves it ambiguous whether there's... It's one of those, uh, do I really feel the way I feel kind of things? I don't know. It was a pretty cool ending. So, I, yeah, I give it a... What did I give it before? Three and a half? Like, let's give it a four. Let's give it a four. <laughs> you give it a four before. Did I give it a four before? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sometimes I don't remember what's going on. <laughs> All right, Rob, let's go for the book. All right, let's go ahead and... Uh... Let's go ahead and, and follow it up. I'll, I'll do a four. There's a lot of interesting th- threads that are thrown out in here. Um, in, a, in a way, it kind of feels like we're stepping back because we are bringing Black Canary and, and Green Arrow together again. But I think that's actually exactly what we need. So hopefully we're not going to lose all the support characters that Green Arrow has amassed in his series, though, as we continue forward. From from the previous batch of books? You know, it's hard to say, because Devil Meyer's got a pretty particular, fo- pretty particular following. Um, now this book's not written well, because it is. Just Lemire's got his own group of followers simply because of who he is and what he's done before. I guess I didn't explain that well. I, I meant his support characters. Oh, the cast around him. Yeah, so like Sorry, Dale I misunderstood and, what's going and on. Smoke and, um, and Shadow. So. I find it unlikely they'll disappear. So may I just confused? Was that clear, <laughs> Ross? I think you were talking about the fan base. And yes. I was talking about the characters There's, in the story. Yeah. Right. With it being the same writer... I see a lot of them still showing up, probably. But sure, and we'll see. I don't know. You know, hopefully they don't get lost in the shuffle. But it looks like a really good start, and I think Green Arrow's a lot stronger. And so, if you've been holding back on picking up the book, this is a good point to get into if you liked the pre-New Fifty Two Green Arrow. Yeah, I would agree there. Right on. Well, all right, uh, let's move on to the all-new Wolverine number nine. Uh, tell me some stories about what Laura's doing running around as Wolverine. <laughs> Written by Tom Taylor, with art by 
Marco Takara? Takara? Takara. That looks like my spelling. It's like T A K A R A. I love it. Takara. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of catch up with Laura as she's helping out with S.H.I.E.L.D. And Fing Fing Foom is fighting a, a helicarrier and it's crashing into the water. And uh, what we've kind of found out is that uh, Laura's been sent in to rescue somebody from inside of Fing Fing Foom. Right. And uh, Captain Marvel and Iron Man show up to kind of help. But uh, Laura's got to first rescue somebody from uh, from inside, and it winds up being Old Man Logan, who's been eaten by Fing Fang Foom, evidently. And so she winds up dragging him out. And as the battle rages on, the helicarrier starts to fall, and Captain Marvel and Iron Man do as best they can to prevent it from just crushing into the ocean. But Maria is kind of making this choice of whether or not to uh, just try to wipe out. Big Bang Boom, while Laura and Logan are still inside. Right, Old Man Logan and Laura, which he decides that two lives are worth the saving of a whole bunch of other lives, so it's a ends against the means kind of thing. Yeah. Ultimately, Laura's um, like little sister <laughs> winds up stealing a jetpack and going out, and uh, she kind of winds up saving Old Man Logan and, and Laura. And uh, Laura decides that she's going to uh, try to lure Fing Fang Foom away from New York by using this uh, this pheromone that was the whole cause of the problem to begin with, because they figured out how to synthesize a pheromone to control Fing Fang Foom or to attract him. So she uses herself as bait to lead him out of the city. There is kind of a, a cool catch at the end of it. Mostly this is just a really fun story. And you have like two of the coolest lines in it, which is uh, when she first shows up and she's got a jetpack and she's uh, telling him that it's the best thing ever. Yeah. And she gets to fly around on the jetpack. And then Laura talking about um, having to give her costume to Fing Fang Foom so he would leave her alone and using the jetpack naked back. Which is pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah, that's so. pretty good. But I honestly like. I was worried about this book because I I didn't necessarily care for the legacy change of having Laura take over the name Wolverine. It started really strong, and now it's actually found its place where it's it's funny and it's still adventurous and it feels like its own book. So I'm actually really impressed with it, and I thought it was a a real fun just one-off story. So I don't know I. I I know this is what we've been given a high number almost all night, but I, I give it a four again. I actually really enjoyed this story. I thought it was great. It's just a one-off. <laughs> I think we just picked a whole bunch of good books tonight. That's true. That could be true, I guess. I, I have liked this old man, the, the, this new uh, all-new Wolverine series, but I, I like X-23 a lot, so... Uh, Raj, got a score for that book? Uh, I'd give it a four out of five as well. A lot of, like Rob said, a lot of really funny moments in it and good lines and just things that you would like never think of happening really in the comics that are just crazy and fun. Um, it actually reminded me a whole bunch, totally different side of the spectrum, but the Cookie Monster Martian Manhunter issue. Okay. Just in that it was just 
crazy fun stuff, action in the book. But yeah, good book, good art, fun story, four out of five. It's <laughs> a good way to run it down, Ross. It's good. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm just going to do the same thing this tonight. So I'll give it, give it a four out of five also. It's pretty cool. I like the way that the younger sister's hanging out, and even though she is younger, uh, she gets the idea of being a clone, and Old Man Logan's sort of being the dad for Laura. Which, all that stuff I think is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I give it a four also. I think Gabby's a cool character. I think she's kind of awesome. Um, it'd be interesting to see if she wound up spinning into something else, but finding an artist that can draw that, like the same face on multiple characters, harder to do, I think. But it's a good book. Well, honestly, you know, one of the big problems that artists have is, is drawing younger characters to begin with. I mean, that was always the big complaint in the 80s is that all the new mutants looked like they were, you know, adults. They were supposed to be teenagers. But this artist has gone down. She always looks the right age. She doesn't look exactly like Laura, but she looks close enough that it works. I actually like the, the little scar things on her because, you know, you're always going to recognize who she is. Mm-hmm. So. Right, yeah, the little brands or whatever on her cheeks. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, well, I think that's it for books. Uh, so, uh, Rob, what'd you learn today? Mm. I learned if you have to sacrifice your clothes to Fing Fing Foom, you might get a Carol Danvers t-shirt. That is really cool. I don't know if men should wear them, but it looks cool on her. Uh, Ross, what'd you learn today? Hey. You can climb out of Fing Fing Foom if you use claws. Yeah, that. That works, too. Damn it, Ross. Fing Fing Foom stomach dissolving acid is kind of like Cookie Monster Martian Manhunter. There we go. That's what I learned. See, that even makes sense because you said it earlier. Yep. Dang it, Ross. Bloodwing is actually Martian Manhunter. (laughs) Also something true. Did you learn that today, too? I just did now. Hey, there you go. All right, uh, Rob, what did I learn? You learned that Bloodwing is also Martian Manhunter. I already knew that. Oh, it was a really weird time, okay, guys? God's fine, all right. It was very weird. It was weird. Um, Jewel on his head. That, it, was, it was surprisingly weird. Yeah, it was. All right, well, let's do a little bit of books to watch. <laughs> Did you have something else, Rob? Not, not, not yet. Okay. Uh, Ross, got a book to watch. I'm thinking Scooby Doo Apocalypse would be one you'd say. It, it is one, I'd say. Um, first issue wasn't super strong, but I'm excited where it's going to go. It was definitely a fun book still. I'm really excited for basically all the Rebirth books spinning out of the Rebirth special. Um, particularly, we've got Flash and Aquaman and Titans all coming out in the next week. That should be really cool. And then uh, Poe Dameron is an awesome book, too. Oh, Poe Dameron! Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Future Quest. Also good. Yeah, yeah Future Quest is great. Yeah, I, I like that a lot more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob? Well, uh, one that we didn't get to mention there, I'm actually really excited to see what Wacky Races is going to be like. Yeah. Wacky Race World. Um, Moon Knight has been very crazy, and it's been a lot of fun to keep an eye on what's going to happen with that. Civil War 2, actually the number one just came out, and it 
is incredible, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm interested to see where we're going to go with both the different Captain America series, and I'm really happy to see Nightwing returning to DC in the Rebirth, uh, plus Wally West. I'm really excited to see what that's going to be with the two Wallys, and you know now we're spreading back out all the Speed Force, so it'll be neat to see where all that fits, if we're going to keep New 52, Reverse, and Zoom, or if we're going to start seeing some of those other guys from the previous universe come back as well. I think it'd be crazy if we saw both. You know, it may very well be that. I mean, that may be what, exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebirth is, of course, fantastic still. Uh, Deadly Class and East to West have been fantastic books. So, Cool. Um... Man, well, like books. I mean, excited for the new Nightwing. Excited for, excited for the new Superman. Um, which I think that's one of them happens here in two weeks. Uh, the other one, I'm gonna say, not till July. Which I mean, it's kind of a big deal for us to be excited about Superman. Yeah. I mean, really, it really is. as much as like Superman seems like a comic book staple, it, it's it's hard to get too too jazzed about him, but. It, th- this should be something you get jazzed about. Eh, I'll give you that. Um, man, I feel like books to watch. I mean, Snot Girl's getting ready to come out. Um, I think that one will be, I don't know, it's Image, so it hit or miss, but I think it'll be interesting to check out number one. If you haven't checked out Revival, I know that dollar print's available, so just have your store order you some. Um, it's good, it's fantastic. Um, I feel like it's probably, I can't think of anything else. I think I guess I did think about something coming out of an image, but I can't remember what the name of it was now. So it doesn't help anybody. Um, it's good times. Good times. Uh, anything else, Ross? That's it for me. Rob? Uh, I, I guess one thing. Okay. This will just be like an opinion thing real fast. Um, do we feel like Rebirth is like, as big of a jarring kind of slap as Flashpoint kind of felt like, like, as we went into 52, because I, I almost felt like going into the 52, that was, like, the end. Does Rebirth feel like that to any of you guys? Not it, a, I mean, not at all to me. It feels like it's the exact opposite, like, that we're not getting rid of anything and we're just giving you things that you've been wanting, basically. It feels more like, uh, let's say, a summer event. Yeah. That's like leading into a new chapter. Yeah. Okay. Alright. I guess that was more for my benefit. No, no, <laughs> hey. Now he's half the battle in G.I. Joe. Yeah. What do you think about it, Steve? About Rebirth? Yeah. Man, I don't know. Like, it, this whole, like, weird connection to the Watchmen, interesting. Uh, I guess we'll see how that all plays out, but. Story-wise, I mean, there's interesting pieces, definitely. I like the idea of Aquaman and Miro finally get married. I mean, that... Again. I, well, again. again yeah. yeah, again. Uh, but cool for this universe. I think uh, the Red Hood and Outlaws looks like it'll be freaking awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, again, it's because they've got Bizarro in there. and They basically get a reverse Trinity. Right, that's... Yeah, I was telling people about that. I think I called it that last week, actually. Because it is. I mean, you got defunct Batman, which is Red Hood. And you got defunct uh, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, which is Artemis, and you got defunct Superman, which is Bizarro. So like, it is like a jacked up Justice League. I'm really curious to see what the Bizarro is going to be like. Well, that's true. I mean, last time I think they had the two characters together was during Sirens, the Gotham City Sirens, 
And so you had Harley Quinn and Catwoman both there too, so more bodies makes it harder to do more pictures, but I think story wise what I'm what I what I'm happy for is Red Hood and the Arsenal or sorry, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Just because it's gonna be so freaking weird. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping it's gonna be bizarro like forever evil bizarro. It looked like the drawings look like classic bizarro. Oh really? Yeah. Until so yeah. we get to the writing it's hard to say what it'll really be. Yeah, I kinda imagine it's gonna be Jimmy Olsen goes to Canada bizarro. Well, I'm okay with that, too, yeah. I, I don't know where he came from. Well, if he's not the same one, then that's a good question. Mm. I didn't actually think the Jimmy Olsen thing was that bizarre was I didn't think it was supposed to be the same universe. Yeah. I think it was its own thing. Yeah, I kind of felt that way, too, but I don't know. I guess you never know. It might have been this whole time. And... Yeah. Well, we do know that Lex has been trying to recreate... Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm. That's what I'm curious if it's the second one that he started making at the end of Forever Evil, or if it's, hmm. or if they're just gonna go with Bizarro's always been there. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it'd be really thing. weird if, if he made the same mistake twice. But I mean, I guess the other side is possible. I mean, in Forever Evil, wasn't it just that he took it out too early? Basically, that yeah, was the pretty much. So you say, Rosie, you think that the uh, the n- crazy Bizarro is like the full product? Maybe and the undone one is like the Frankenstein one that we like. Yeah, well, what I'm wondering is if maybe Red Hood goes and opens it early because he oh. needs like a Superman type character. He's gonna collect his own Superman so he doesn't break him out. Yeah, that's why he looks yeah. as messed up as he is. That's an interesting idea. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Otherwise, it's hard to say which Bizarro it is. Yep. Because the way he looks is very classic, but the idea he's with this particular group it doesn't fit well. No. But if he's just taking orders from someone, like Frankenstein oh, yeah. Monster, then... Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Alright. Uh, so the keys? Yeah. It's a key. 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 It's a key.